boys and ghouls welcome to a very special interview episode of dads from the crypt today we're talking to director writer producer manny Cotto. he has worked on projects such as tales from the crypt season three episode morning mess dr giggles star trek enterprise dexter 24 and american horror story welcome to the podcast manny thank you for having me it's a, it's a pleasure to look back on this show yeah and happy saint patrick's day happy saint patrick's day I have not one drop of Irish blood in me. My wife, I think, is. I'm fully full-blooded Cuban. So, uh, oh. I, 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 uh, but I, but I respect the, the day anyway, even though I don't drink much. You know, my wife, my wife's father is Irish, so nice. she dropped she dropped the Cummings from her last name for um, <laughs> my full Jewish last name. So is she full? So she's full full. Uh, well, so she's fully Irish or half Irish? Half Irish. Does she ever, does she have pe- people in the old country? No, no, it's like generations back. <laughs> um, all right, let's hop into it. So where are you from? What, what's your origin story? I was born originally in, in Havana, Cuba mm-hmm. and left as a baby. My parents got me out of there. And, um, and then I grew up in Orlando, Florida, uh, you know, and fell in love with, uh, with uh, movies and science fiction. I was a huge Star Trek fan and that's what got me into into falling in, I, that's what made me fall in love with this, with all of this. And uh, I got this great book, The Making of Star Trek, which mm. was back in the seventies or eighties or, or came out. And it was about the making of Star Trek. And, 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 you know, and then I, when I read it, I was just reading it as a fan, but when I read it, I realized people have jobs doing this. Uh, a similar book at the time that came out as The Making of 2001, which is another one. So those two seminal books were just like, oh, my God, people do this for a living. And then, you know, from that point on, I, I think it was age 11, I decided I wanted to do this. And and I never, I, that's all I ever was directed toward. You know, I made Super 8 films and like a lot of directors from that era, you know, came, uh, uh, you know, made the Super 8 film, took over their dad's Super 8 camera and started making movies at home. And then... Um, you know, went to college, just aimed at, 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 you know, getting into a career in movies and communications, which was a bad degree. Uh, don't ever go into communications. It's a waste of time. But I, I figured that was the closest I could get to a film education because I, I, I could only go to uh, Loyola in New Orleans. My, was, my, my parents w- wouldn't, help, you know, fund me to go to California. I wanted to go to L.A. already. Right. And I didn't have the money, so I just went to Loyola. And then I ultimately left Loyola and went to AFI which is what really helped you know, kind of get me a career because the minute I, I made a horror film at AFI, which was the first, I think the horror first horror film they had done, I, you know, before, I mean, I guess you, if you consider a eraser had a horror film kind of, oh, uh, yeah, for a parent, it's horrific. Yeah. But, uh, uh but I made, uh, so I made this short horror film called Jack in the box, which, which came out really great. I, I really got to get a copy of it. And that kind of got me got from there, got me an agent and, 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 and landed me this episode, by the way, because it was sent around and Dick Donner saw it, mm-hmm. um, and really loved it. And I came in for a meeting and in the meeting, he says, Hey, you want to direct the tales? And I'm like, Oh no, no. And I'm like, what are you serious? He said, yeah, yeah. Fucking a. 
<laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, a year later, I think there's something. It was. It took a little while because they had a, a long slate of directors, and I got my slot and I wrote a script and and I, I did the episode. Um, no, I just want to go back to a couple things. So sure. um, I I don't know if it was the same one, but I definitely had making of Star Trek books, and uh, I remember they even had like a technical book. Oh that, like, my god, I love that book. Yeah, where it had like. <laughs> made up schematics of what oh, like, yeah. a phaser would look like on the inside or where like mm-hmm. each level of the start of the enterprise i still like, have so, that book i got a copy of it yeah i think yeah. i have it somewhere it was like a kind of a burgundy brown british it was mine was black it had that black fake leather cover mm, on top, okay remember it was a black leather version of it okay um, and i always had- wondered where the bathrooms were <laughs> you never see a bathroom on Star Trek. <laughs> I figured, you know, they have them, but we don't want to see them. So, uh, you know, it didn't. It wasn't really a, a, a question for me. But I did. I loved the design of all the other. Remember the dreadnought? It had mm-hmm. three, three, you know, engines on it, and 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 there was the one with the one engine on the bottom. Right. Yeah. Because you're like, whoa, there's the one with extra engines. That's, all right. Right. It was, it was wild. But I, I couldn't get enough of that manual. Like we just yeah, yeah. I used to read that all the time when I was a kid. They did a medical manual. Did you say? Did you ever mm-hmm. see that one? That mm-hmm. one was great because they showed the Tellarites and the Andorians and all those, you know, the schematics. It's really great. Yeah, I have another one that was like an encyclopedia or something of all the different alien species. Oh yeah, in the it came out around one. that time. I think so. And I, 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 used to, I also used to collect the cards. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The trading I never, cards. I never got, I never collected the cards, but I did. I do have a William Shatner signed card somewhere. Oh nice, <laughs> one of those. Yeah. And then you talked about getting a communications degree. There's an old Simpsons gag. I think they had like a Super Bowl episode <laughs> or something like that where the kicker like breaks his leg playing. He's like, oh, it's a good thing I have my communications degree to fall back on. It is utterly worthless. I mean, but but I was able to take some film courses, which were not worthless, mm-hmm. which you know, int- kind of widened my world. Because, you know, growing up in Orlando was not a big film, you know, town. So movies like, you know, you know, like like La Strada and uh, directors like Buñuel and all those were were way outside my I had no idea, and so I think call, the communicate the film the film courses really kind of broadened and, and let me you know open me to a to a, a new world which was very valuable, but I would have if I'd have done it over with I would have done English or history, and uh, taking the film course anyway. Um, now, do you have a favorite original series uh, episode? For Star Trek, um, it was always the Doomsday Machine, um, but I love the. I mean, I love them all. I mean, not all, but I love. I love a, a huge chunk of them. So it's hard to. And my favorite only because I, I just I love the adventure of that one as a kid. And I would, we would get because I would, I, 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 you know, they would run them in order, um, and right. they would always in syndication. I mean, I became a fan in syndication. I was one of those the people that f- fell in love with it when it first went into syndication and when it was becoming a thing. Um, and when the convention started flowing. So I didn't, I didn't watch it during when it's original run. In fact, I didn't like it. I like lost in space because mm-hmm. I was younger then. Um, but I, but I, but I fell in love with it afterwards. And um, the, so they would run them in order. And then I would, so I would literally wait for that episode to come around. And we would, you know, get excited in like three weeks. Oh, three weeks, it's going to run. And we're only so many episodes away. And it was always the same order. It was a mock time. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was uh, Who Mourns for Adonai, then a mock time, and then, and then, uh, which are three great episodes. Right. Yeah. I mean, those are three of my favorites. And then Ooh. Doomsday Machine. 
Yeah, I, I mostly watched them when I was a kid. The one I liked the most was uh, The Devil in the Dark with that like big oh, monster. Yeah, it looked like a big pizza that came to life. And I thought that was... Yeah, the rug. But it was such a great episode. It was an yeah. example of what, why, why Star Trek was so good because, you know, it wasn't just a monster. Mm-hmm. You know, it really turned... At the end, it was kind of touching, really touching. Right. Um, yeah, it was a great series. All right. Well, let's talk... Uh, let's talk Crypt. So um, you got assigned to Morning Mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wrote the episode too. Yes. And um, I, I, we read the, we read the original comic when we did our episode a couple of days ago. And it's, it's actually a very simple story as far as the comic goes. And you mm-hmm. kind of spin it off into this kind of uh, Shakespearean um, <laughs> tale of this reporter and this kind of fall with. Um, right. Yeah. You had to find a story uh, f- for it, but, uh, and so that's what, that's where, you know, my mind went and, and, uh, uh, I, I loved the, the ghouls, of, you know, I loved the, 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 the punchline. It was oh, a great yeah. punchline. Uh, and so I, uh, and so that's, but I just had to, you know, fashion a story. It didn't have to be a long, I remember it was like 25 pages. I mean, it was, it wasn't a lot of dancing around, but, uh, you know, it had to be about something. And so that's what I came up with. Um, and then when you were scripting it, did you have an actor, um, in mind for the lead for Steven Weber part? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I was simply picturing a down and out reporter uh, and, and uh, you know, a, a guy who falls in, and a homeless guy. And, and I had none of these. If I remember back, I mean, it's possible I did. But, uh, you know, at that time, all of us were picturing Bruce Willis and everything. <laughs> so, so, I mean, and yeah. later on, and I don't know if you know this lore, but I wrote with Brian Helgeland a, 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 a famous spec script called The Ticking Man. Yes. Which, which sold for like a million five at the time. It was a huge, big thing. We were writing it for Bruce Willis. That's why I bring it. <laughs> so I, around that time. And that was around the time I did tales. So around that time we were always, th- so I, I wouldn't be surprised if I was thinking of a wisecracking Bruce Willis as I mm-hmm. wrote it. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Um, and then did you have input when you started casting? Yes, I did. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, the, it was, uh, we, you know, we'd sit on, on the phone and just talk and go through names and, and, uh, a lot of the names, because I was young and, and, and starting out, so I didn't know a lot of people. And so a lot of the names were, were suggested to me, but I'd known Steven Weber. My, you know, I was a fan of Wings, uh, and, and I thought he was great and, and really terrific. Uh, but it was offered to, um, it, there was a couple of offers that it went to first, um, and I'm, I'm struggling now to remember the name. One of them was a, was a pretty big actor at the time. Uh, who was in a lot of thrillers and he passed. Damn it. I wish I, I would have looked that up because he, he was, uh, but he doesn't act. I haven't seen him in, in anything anymore, but it wasn't much. It was just, and then we just, and then Steven Weber. Um, and then, uh, you know, um, and then Rita Wilson was suggested, whom I really liked. Um, the casting director didn't like her. Oh, really? I remember that. Or it was, it was either the casting director or one of the executives. I'm trying to remember because I remember being on the phone call. It's like, Rita Wilson. You know, and I was like, she's why? What's wrong with her? She's great. Um, yeah, like on paper, that, that doesn't seem to fit. But then when you see it, <laughs> it's just kind of like, oh, OK. I thought she was tremendous. And, and you know, and, and by the way, su- subsequently, I mean, just just better and better in her roles mm-hmm. throughout her career. She's still going and going strong. Um, she's I mean, just great. She has this kind of aura of classiness. And then seeing yeah. her like in ghoul, in ghoul makeup it just yeah. cracked me up. She loved doing the ghoul stuff. It was very oh, really like I was wondering how game she was for all of her. Oh no, she was game for it. She they were all really they really loved it. 
um, they, uh, they all got into it. I mean, it, uh, uh, you know, they were, you can just see kind of at the end, you can just see even the shots when you watch them, see them doing that. You can just see, they're just like so excited about it. Um, mm. it was really great stuff. And, uh, but she was tremendous to work with as well. I mean, you know, Tom Hanks visited the set. I was very excited oh, really? for me. Oh yeah. He showed up. She, we, we were doing the scene where she's in the apartment talking to Steven and Tom Hanks showed up and I, you know, chatted with him. We, we, we talked coverage oh, really? <laughs> a little bit and uh, it was nice. He's a nice guy. And then he went on to uh, direct the Tales from the Crypt episode. He did. He was, later. I think he was there to see just, just to, to watch the process or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. It was fun. And, and, and she was tremendous. It was, a, it was a really fun group and a really happy group. Mm-hmm. Those things were all done in this, this warehouse down in um, this giant warehouse down in, uh, uh, in Culver city. I think we had near Culver city and uh, all, almost everything was interior. There was very, very few exteriors. Right. Except probably the, I'm assuming the cemetery was outside. Cemetery was outside, but, but it was like mostly inside. Cause I had done a, sim- a series before that called monsters, which was my first directing gig. It was a very low budget series. Uh, and that was similar. It was also done in a warehouse in Hollywood, but they never went out. Mm-hmm. That was all every, whatever you wanted to do was inside. So tales from the Crypt was not dissimilar in a big except They had a little more money and, and we would go out a little bit. And what about, um, I can never forget how to say his name correctly. Vincent Scavelli. Vincent Schiavelli. Yeah. Schiavelli. He was, he was, uh, he was a black, he became a good friend. We would go to his house and he'd pick, he'd cook us Sicilian food. Um, he was, uh, you know, a great character actor. He was a very famous, well-known character actor, uh, mm-hmm. who, you know, who just, you can just, who had a great face. Right. That's uh, all, you know, and, you know, Tim Burton put him in, you know, Batman uh, uh, returns as the, you know, the organ grinder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was in a horror film I did in, U- in Yugoslavia after that. He played the lead. It was very hard to find film and deservedly so. But but he was great. But he, he but he was a blast. So, we, yeah, we became kind of we became friends. Uh, and uh, and it was funny because he was a friend of P- Peter Weller's who I became friend with later on. I became very good friend buddy with Peter. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a fun group. Cool. Um, so yeah, did you have any input into the ghoul design makeup or was that kind of just another department? This kind of show that no, it was another that. department, but I had input. I mean, I, and I chatted with, uh, uh, I think it was, who was it? Jaeger who, who did the effects? I think he, uh, yeah. Um, it was either Kevin Yeager or Greg Yeager or one of their. It was Kevin people. Yeager did. Kevin? At least he did the crypt stuff. I don't. Some, sometimes they brought in people for specific episodes. I don't know. No, I think Kevin did this one. I remember okay. chatting with Kevin, and I was very excited because I knew him, and so so uh, of him. So so I remember chatting with Kevin, and we just chatted briefly about what what would be a cool design, something you know, without going over the top. Uh, I just thought they should be kind of sexy and have a cool you know teeth and 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 because they had to wear human masks on top of so they couldn't be crazy right so how to make them scary but uh but uh also uh you know somewhat believable Mm -hmm. um and i thought he did a great job i thought that stuff looked great oh yeah they look look cool especially with their elegant you know costumes oh yeah that's that's the best they they almost like sharks like human humanoid yeah yeah exactly right it's a great yeah you know, he was going for like a bat thing, I think, but they, but they came out with the ears were just this cool design. Um, really well done. And it was also really well shot by, mm-hmm. you know, by, by Rob. Because remember that the one guy's reveal when he pulls a mask off, it's very kind of, uh, you know, shallow focus. So you just see the eyes and the things in the bl- b- blurred and just a, a very shallow plane. 
it was just beautifully done. Right. And, and while I watched it, bro, I've seen this episode many times, and I always forget about the acronym. So <laughs> I've <laughs> never forgotten it. Grateful Homeless Outcast and Unwanted Layaway Society. Yep. And I didn't I didn't look that up for this meeting. I have just for wow. some reason that has never left my mind. No, I, I, I was know. just every time it gets me, I always forget about that. Well, it's like, the oh, worst it's right there in front of you. <laughs> it's the like worst you, acronym. But you even like do like a close up, like a, or like a, yeah. you're kind of like zooming. I think you're going to the cemetery or something like that, and you just kind of yeah. go by it. Mm-hmm. And most people would pick up on that. <laughs> I mean, like, I've even seen this episode, and I always forget. And I was just so happy it wasn't vampires because you're expect- I was expecting vampires or something like that. <laughs> I um, like ghouls. I like ghouls. No, cool. It was great. You, you never see that. Enough ghouls. Um, do you ever see the movie Chud? No. Okay. Yeah, it's it's cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, and it's kind of, it's kind of a it maybe kind I'll of put, a same vibe. Put that one up on my list because I've been watching a, a lot of eighties horror lately. Oh yeah, I feel like eighties horror. That's a good one. Is it good? I'm gonna watch it. I mean, it's good in a. I mean, good eighties. Yeah, 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 it's good. Yeah, it's good eighties. It's good eighties horror. Saying it's right. good right, without good. qualifying is a, a stretch. Um. Yeah. So all the underground stuff was just on the set and on the set. kind of stuff where we were like, we wanted more, we wanted like 10 more minutes of like him running around and running. Into yeah, I could have done a lot more. I mean, they, they built these beautiful tunnels. Greg Melton was the mm-hmm. production designer and he, he was, he just came up with this great stuff. So that wasn't like a pre-existing set. No. Wow. No, no. They built See, that's it. just mind blowing that you would build all that from scratch just for like the two minutes. Well, you know, they didn't build, they didn't build a, they built a section, which right, I yeah, thought yeah, made like, it look like a, a giant tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so yeah, I, I did a lot of, you know, uh, you know, shooting on one <laughs> stretch right. of tunnel. And then you got to turn around and go back the other way. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so it made it look like a lot of. Uh, or um, did you ever see the, uh, the descent? Oh yeah. I yeah. That made yeah. me think of that too. But um, yeah, we we did a, a review last week and we were like, great episode, but we wanted way more of the ghouls and more <laughs> like the tunnel stuff, which obviously you have that punchline you're going for and that's the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love, yeah, I would have done a lot more. There might've been a lot more. I mean, they trimmed it down. Mm-hmm. Did you get any uh, keepsakes from the production? Sometimes people take things. No, or... I should have. I should have. I wasn't taking stuff. I started taking, like on, on Star Trek, I took a bunch of stuff. Oh, cool. <laughs> I took uh, the Kirshara and a lot of stuff from season four enterprise. Uh, but, but, uh, but I did not like an idiot. <laughs> all right, that's right. Well, sometimes I know for, sometimes they do like special drawings or things like mementos. Yeah. Um, cool. No, Any I other... mean, I may have something lying around, but I, you know, in my, in my keepsake box in the garage, but I, I, I don't remember anything in particular. Cause I, I mean, I, I, I mean, you can look at my office. I like stuff. Oh, wow. This yeah, is all, really this, cool. all the stuff that, that nobody, that they don't want me put in my, my wife yeah. in the house. So, uh, so uh, yeah. Cool. Any other uh, memories or um, facts about the episode um, throughout there? I remember there was, uh, you know, the, the Tom Hanks showing, stopping by. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot. Of, the other fun was when we were in the alley when Joel Silver showed up, hmm. which was a, which was a, uh, which was a trip because he was at the time a create, you know, this this well known crazy ass producer, and. Uh, who I think, you know, may have not been thrilled. He, I, I think Don, since Dick hired me, Joel was immediately like, who is this fucker? Um, and he just showed up on set in a limo wearing this giant, I think he had a girl under his arm with this giant leather duster. He looked like he had come in from, uh, from a, a Sergio Leone movie. Yes. And I was in the middle of directing a scene and he walks right up behind me and just stands there. 
And he's just looking at me, watching me direct. And I'm like, oh, hey, Joel, good to see you. He's like, hey, you're doing a good job. And then he turned around and left. It was just his way of like, you know, pissing on on on, on the look on on the episode in, in a good way, meaning marking his territory. And then he took off. But that was it. It was a lot of fun. It was just uh, it was one of the most fun experiences I've had, uh, you know, uh, in, in Hollywood. And and the you know the actors were all tremendous. And 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 uh, yeah, it was cool. Great. And then, uh, so your next project is Dr. Giggles. And I've got a lot to talk about there. So how, <laughs> how did that come about? Well, it, um, it came through, you know, it, it was, uh, it was, it was through Larry Gore. Cause when we had, we had sold ticking man, the, the spec script I mentioned earlier, we had sold it to, uh, Larry Gordon and Larry Gordon, you know, we, we had this brief moment of, of or I, I you know, uh, we were big for a moment. And then, and then so suddenly, so they had, and, and I'd done Tales from the Crypt and I had made it clear that I wanted to direct. And they gave me the script called Mr. Giggles hmm. by Graham Whiffler, which was more of a serial killer tale. I mean, a real serial killer plot, you know, just kind of straightforward, kind of gruesome story, which by the way, it was, it was a good script, but they, it was very serious. Um, you know, they wanted to go more Tales from the Crypt humor with it um and so i you know kind of redeveloped it and did a rewrite on it and and they just you know and they greenlit it it was it was it was basically no more complicated than that you know i i just i want i really wanted to get the, the, you know this this feature and and i wanted to do you know kind of i loved i loved the tales from the crypt style humor and and try to bring that into this kind of what was should have been a traditional kind of serial killer movie and uh we just went from there where did you get the uh, the doctor angle from? Well, it was a, it was he, he kind of became a doctor in the script. He was a he, he kind of was was you know he was he I don't remember if the original script he wanted to be a doctor or he he I think he pretended to be a doctor you know oh, okay. and you know and so I just said well it should be doctor giggles I mean that's what he wants to be mm-hmm. and so um, that's where I became kind of what you know what it was I just I just switched it around because I thought it, that should be the title. Just, okay. I also thought it was more interesting. So you you more did like a tonal shift. It was a tonal shift, but it was also yeah. It, it was it, you know there was there was some structure story. You know I think the story about the girl and all this stuff I think was was new. Um, because it was um, there was a lot. He kind of moved into the neighborhood and kind of uh, wired up the whole neighborhood with. So he was kind of it was a voyeuristic thing. Mm. It was different. And by the way, it might have even been better. <laughs> it's been so long since I've read it. But, uh, I don't know if it'd be as memorable, but yeah, yeah, it might not be as memorable. It, it was very kind of just kind of it was it was disturbing in a, in a maybe back then maybe a bad way maybe now it would be a good way. Um, but he was a character, Graham Whiffler. I, you know, I, I met him subsequently later on in a meeting, and he he was uh, apparently like really into serial killers, and he knew everything about every serial killer ever made. So. I remember people talking about him. The executives were like, this guy's weird. Stay away from him. And, you know, he was, but he was perfectly fine. Um, and so, yeah, no, I'm sorry. See, with Larry Drake as your lead, this really could have been a Tales of the Crypt movie. It could have been a Tales of the Crypt movie. Yeah, no, it could. It totally could have been. Uh, you know, Larry was, uh, well, he did the great episode, mm-hmm. the classic episode. And, and, uh, of Sam, and he was big at the time. You know, he was, uh, he was a great character actor, uh, uh, you know, where he played a, you know, that mentally challenged in a character on LA law, I think it was, or yeah. where and he, won, two, he won like two Emmys back to back. Yeah. And years. everybody, cause everybody thought he was, he really was 
mentally challenged. I mean, it was, he was so good. You didn't see it. And, and so, um, but he's just a tremendous actor and a really great guy. Yeah. He has like a, he has like a softness to him, but then you yeah. can like switch on in intensity. Like he just, yeah. I can just see him like <laughs> turning on the dime and like, I know. Yeah. He was great. <laughs> he, um, uh, yeah, no, he was, he was just, uh, he had this, uh, this kind of a childlike aura to him. It never kind of went away, mm-hmm. which kind of made it that story of him, you know, as a, you know, he was kind of always, I always looked at him as kind of as a, a child that never grew up who still wanted to be a doctor who was just never learned right and wrong. And who was just in his own world. I really pictured him as a child as a, as a really evil child. No, were other people considered for the role or did you write? Yes. It for him? There was one, there was one individual who, uh, who was the ind- who was a great actor too, by the way, the guy who played, uh, who played, um, Oh, sure. Remember the, sh- the show at the time, Max, uh, uh, um, he played, it was, it was the vid, the video character who would show oh, Max up. Headroom. Max Hedrum. Who was the guy who played Max Hedrum? Oh God. I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah. I'm looking up to Max Hedrum. It's British. He was uh, Matt Frewer. So okay. Matt Frewer, I met with Matt. I met with Matt Frewer at length and, and I don't remember if, if he wasn't approved or if he ultimately decided not to do it. Or I think what happened is, we Larry Larry said he was interested in. A, I wanted Larry. I just I was I just thought Larry Drake was perfect. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, he was in the. He was one of the parents from Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. Yes. Um, oh, okay. a really great, a great, a really terrific actor, really funny actor. But he at the time around, or actually, this was a little bit after the time. But he was still, he was famous as having been Max Headroom, which was a huge show in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a really weird show. I remember being on, but I was too young to actually watch it. But remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember it was like a pop culture thing. But it was like first, like it was like it was like so it was. A, I guess it was like so he was supposed to be a version like a CGI or computer generated mm-hmm. image, but they did him live, and then they just did stuttering because they right. didn't have communication. Yeah, because they couldn't actually afford that. Speaking of CGI, I'm skipping around a little bit, but your opening sequence is actually really impressive for the time and the budget. I, yeah I, I saw it recently i was like wow this looks this was pretty damn cool i remember it, it was a big deal at the time boy mm-hmm. it was like wow we, we are really <laughs> pushing the envelope here uh for us anyway for a low budget movie um and it reminded uh, me of like uh the, the opening like in look who's talking or like in fight club right right <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, I totally forgot about that part because I, I watched it a couple days ago. I was like, wow, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, I remember what, being very like, excited about that idea. Like, we're just like a year after T2 died. or something. Yeah. <laughs> was it after T2? When did T2 come I out? I think that was 91. 91. This was 92, I believe. 92, yeah. So it was, uh, and this, because I mean, it was done by a, I mean, it was, I think I remember being it rendered on like Amiga computers. I don't know if you remember, if you're a computer, oh, yeah. computer guy. I remember Amiga computers being used. Oh wow! So it was, and it was, it was in Fantasy Two, I think. Mm-hmm. The student, which was the guys who did the original Terminator. The 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 guy who was in charge of this was the guy I forget his name who ran Fantasy Two, and he he did the effects for the the original Terminator. Okay, which was pretty exciting. I was just excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Karen Ray did your casting. Yep. Um, was that like a Tales from the Crypt connection or is that just coincidence? That was, I think, a Tales from the Crypt connection. Okay. There was two, there was two. I mean, Rob Draper, who was the DP from Tales, I brought mm-hmm. on to do giggles because I loved Rob. And uh and so that was another you know Tales connection. Mm-hmm. 
And then also on the credits, I saw that Brian May. Yeah. Uh-huh. Your score. That's the, the guitarist <laughs> from Queen, right? That was great. Yeah, I know. It was tremendous. So he was think- a great guy. Oh, yeah. I flew down to Australia to record it with him. Oh, really? He, uh, yeah. He was down in, you know, I think Melbourne or no, I'm sorry. It was Sydney. And mm-hmm. and I flew down just for the few days just to record the, the score with him down there, which was wow. super exciting. What a sweet guy. Yeah. Sweet guy. And we've got a great score, by the way. Oh, yeah. Great. Really score. great score. You can hear it, you know, because he did. He had done, uh, you know, uh, The Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can hear the echoes of the same orchestral kind of echoes and, and giggles that you can hear in the Road Warrior. It's just like his style. Nice. Kind of brassy horns he would throw in at a certain point. It was great. Um, now, the spooky house, the, the, the kind of uh, dilapidated house. Mm-hmm. Where was that located? That was, well, the interior was on a studio. We shot this in Portland, Oregon. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, it was all in Portland. Um, and so we had a, we had taken over a warehouse in Portland, a big giant warehouse to do the interiors, uh, which we didn't find out because <laughs> the location guys had picked it and they sounded good. And it wasn't until the first day of shooting that a train goes by literally 10 feet from the oh, God. <laughs> stage. So we're like, Wah! and I'm like, Hey guys, did you uh, check that out before we rented this thing? Um, but it was fine. We were able to shoot around the trains. Yeah, it's good, but it's good. Uh, so, so we shot the interiors there, and then the exterior was a fake, was a front built at the end of a street. Okay. Um, by our, you know, our production designer who had done The Exorcist, Bill. I forgot his name. Bill. Um, let me look it up now. Here, Bill. Uh, Bill Malley. He had done The Exorcist which was weird, but, but so the whole time I spent the whole time peppering him about (laughs) questions. Yeah, (laughs) I would do that a lot with, with whatever it shows that I, there's an actor who'd been on a classic show. I'd be like, so tell me about this and tell me about that. Uh, Well, I'm sorry. I I can veer off because I I did a, 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 an action film with with Dolph Lundgren, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't the fun. The fun part was that the, uh, the stunt coordinator had worked with Kubrick on two films. So I spent the whole time. Oh, wow talking about Kubrick stories and I got some great ones from him. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fun. Filmmaking yeah, it's, is fun. <laughs> so go back to location for a second, because I, I actually, I'm from Portland originally. So um, something about like that opening shot just gave me instant like Oregon vibes. Uh-huh. Uh, there's kind of like, I, th- I think it's after, I think after the opening, there's kind of like, a, oh, so they never say where it is, but something about the trees just gave me total. Uh, yeah. No, it was, t- it was all, it was all, Port, we were there the whole time, and what a, it was a great. I had a blast in that city. No, where was the carnival? Was that an existing one, or the, did you? Bring no, that we in? made it. We 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 made it. Um, I don't remember the location. It was some school. Um, uh, and so it was you know because you know they were up on a hill overlooking this 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 field, uh, where we had put we put it all there. Um. And it was, you know, we filled it up with extras and they were up on those rides for a long time while we were filming. I remember being down shooting Larry and the rides were going on in the background and suddenly I'm hit by projectile vomit. Oh, no. Because the people on the rides were throwing up. Oh, <laughs> they no. had been on there so long. <laughs> it was bad. That's it awful. Felt bad for them. But they were complaining. They were like, hey, this is great. And then so, but suddenly it was like, it wasn't like we're, we're dying. But it was just like, oh, vomit. And, yeah. then, off went, and then splat. 
like for the extras, that must have been really fun. Like, c- come hang out this carnival. You don't yeah, have to yeah. pay anything. You go on the rides as many times as you want. We we it was you know, it was when we were doing take five that they started losing mm-hmm. it. Um, um, I really like the there's a, a conversation on the Karis wheel, the uh-huh. carousel, and um, and I kind of rewatched, I kind of rewound it to see how the continuity. Uh, <laughs> how did it up. hold up? <laughs> good, actually, I was really, I was really impressed, actually. Yeah, um, uh, it was the shots matched up with the sequence of the circle. Yeah. That was also a big deal. I mean, I don't know how much, but that was a big ass camera rig on that on that uh, on that Ferris wheel, you know, to get those shots. Because we, you know, we were shooting two, three, five uh, uh, um, ratio, and so it was a it was a it was kind of a it was like a wide lens in a in a big box, and it was so it was a it was a mess. I remember. Right. So that would mean that you'd have to counter the weight because you know it's on the screen. Yes, exactly right. So the camera because the camera was like was going was moving with the the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was every, you know, it was a long time to shoot. And every time we, you know, we shot, we had to like, you know, redo the whole rig and it, it took a while. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's a really cool way to do a conversation like that. Instead of just having them just standing, you know, off to the side or something. Yeah, no, no. It's, it makes I, it really I, more dynamic. I really wanted to, I was really trying to do everything I could on that movie. I was, I was rabid. Um, speaking of things throwing in, um, I love the Dr. Mario bit. Because I recognized the music before I saw the TV. Because my wife still plays that game. <laughs> um, it's still it's still there. So was that part of the script? Something that said, "Oh, hey, let's throw in this Nintendo bit." Or did you have to get like, no? I was, a, I was a fan of Nintendo. I mean, I was a fan of that stuff. So I, I threw I threw that in. I was I, I was throwing anything Doctor I could find. Yeah, no, that's the perfect. That's like the perfect like Jill Snickrip <laughs> non sequitur. Like, oh yeah, okay, kids playing Doctor Mario. <laughs> the uh yeah i'd forgotten about that actually and then he says that's when the kid's playing right he says mm-hmm. terminal yeah. terminal yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was my comment on video games which i'm still playing now my son i mean it's this many years later i'm I, all i do is like complain about my son playing video games all day how about that mm-hmm. even though i play video games but i've been exactly. um all right and then there's the house of mirrors sequence was that like mm-hmm. uh, uh enter the dragon kind of reference <laughs> yes it was <laughs> It's cool. No, I, I, I well, I love that movie and I love that scene, and so uh, I, you know, I wanted my entry to it. But it was also, uh, you know, a lady from Shanghai was influenced. You know, it was influenced by. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a, it was a cool, you know, kind of chase a little sequence, and and I think what really did is the lighting. If you notice, the lighting does this three kind of three way. The light is moving, pulsing. It was like it hit you one side, and then it just, so it's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a Rob did like a three, which by the way, they did the same thing. And I don't know if they were influenced by giggles or not, but, or, or, or they, it's just the way they did it. But in, 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 um, uh, it too, they had a, a mirror sequence and it was, the lights were doing the same thing. They were, okay. it, it brings it to life in a strange way. Uh, that, that sequence could be Rob Draper looked at it and it's like, you know, they're just walking around in his light and we got to do something to, 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 to liven it up and make it make it you know crazier and mm-hmm. if you, so if you see it you see the lightest he had it on this three-way timer or whatever which was a big deal at the time okay yeah no i, I was definitely getting it vibes too um whenever you watched it um and then uh what's with the cop wearing a 49ers cap you know i don't know <laughs> it seems like a really <laughs> It might have been the actor like the 49ers. I mean, uh, you don't usually see law enforcement wearing uh, sports. uh, I don't know. I forgot. (laughs) 
It was just such I a funny. There's so many you know, funny like Richard, details. Was it, Richard, was it Richard Bradford wearing that, or was it Keith Diamond? It was Richard uh, Bradford. So I think Richard. I was just in awe of Richard because of mm-hmm. all his great roles. So I'm sure Richard, and he was Richard was like an actor actor, and he was like in. He had a whole background for this guy. And everything. So I'm almost ninety percent sure it was Richard coming up and saying, "I really think I should be doing this, and <laughs> and I should be wearing that." And so I, I bet you that's what it was. Um, no, that's a great little touch. And then also like when he reaches for the golf club, you're like, of course. <laughs> By the uh, way, my dad was a doctor. So I was putting oh, in every, okay. every single cliche, everything that I knew about my dad and doctors. Was- that's interesting. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about doctors in a second, but um, yeah, I love, there's such an absurdity that I love in this movie because the fact that there's an entire clinic a subterranean <laughs> clinic in the basement of this house with like a waiting room it's like all staged is just it's it, in any other movie you'd be like what is happening but this one just works <laughs> it was funny it was fun um and, and speaking of which I, i've actually worked in healthcare my entire pretty much my entire oh, uh, adult career and I've done, I've done many trainings on life-saving procedures and everything so like my biggest pet peeve in the movie is when someone uses a defibrillator to attack oh, someone because yeah. there's no way that would work <laughs> i know 100 would not work but this is the one time any other movie it pisses me off this is the one time where i'm like you know what the way this in this movie's universe it would yeah I, I would never do that now it was it was bad but it was fun but i mean you know it's kind of again it was like playing off all of that stuff and um uh, you know the lightning bolts coming out of the defibrillator. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so absurd. But this whole movie is absurd. That's and and that's what I that's why I think this movie has like a cult following because it's a dichotomy between the very serious profession of healthcare yeah, and yeah. slasher, and it's like doing this like waltz between these two um, themes or worlds. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and it just works in its own bizarre stew. I just, I mean, I, to me, it's worth. It was worth it just for the for the sequence where he escapes from his from through his mother's body. Oh God, yes, which was one of my favorite things. I still have direct. I mean, it was just so crazy. It was creepy. The kid coming out, and the kid was so good. He was so excited about doing that. Oh, I think I was going to ask about the kid. Oh no, he was all like, he couldn't wait. Um, was that like an um, alien reference? No, like no, no. It was just, I, honestly, it wasn't. It was just me. I was just like, how do I come up with the craziest, most twisted way that this the psychology formed? And so I came up with this whole thing where they, you know, they were burning down his house and his mother and, and, and they had, the father had spirited him out in his mother's body. Mm. Um, and then he broke out in the morgue. I mean, I just couldn't. And when I, I, I just thought it was, frankly, I thought it was great. <laughs> I don't usually talk about my stuff in, glo- in, in good terms. But that was great. No, it's it's like <laughs> what is happening moment. It was so well shot. Mm-hmm. The kid coming out, and then the kid was so good. He was like, he's like, he just smiles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was so cute. But on the other hand, you know, again, doctors are like, there's kind, there's kind of a universal well, fear slash respect of that authority because they're the authority. They have an intimate knowledge of our bodies, mm-hmm. and they usually have a power over us in intimate settings. Yeah. So, like on paper, this sounds like a really scary movie, like a doctor going crazy killing people. But like when you watch it, it's it takes those ideas are in the back, but then it just goes way over the top. So it's yeah. not like so you don't like look away because you're so freaked out by it. But you're like, what craziness is going to happen next? Yeah, 
There's, I mean, I remember re- there was, you know, there was a lot of, uh, not a lot, but there's a handful of doctor murderers, mm-hmm. you know, throughout history. And was they're it, pretty, and there's, pretty there's Nightingale or something like that. There was a nurse. Sure. But there was also a doctor. I, I won't remember, yeah. remember his name, but there was a doctor who was killing, killing patients. Mm-hmm. And even like Jennifer's story, that same, almost the exact same thing happened to my father. And ever since then, like he like had like a, a sort of phobia about any like medical setting procedures, needles. Wow. He had like have a fear of that um you know yeah, not yeah. like debilitating but yeah it's always kind of like a thing yeah i was never i honestly never had any fear of any of that because my you know when i was a kid my dad would bring me in to watch surgeries um oh. when he was doing them and, and you know i watched a hernia surgery uh, i don't mean that, like a little kid i mean you know i guess my, i must have been well i was little i must have been 10 or 11 i couldn't be that much older um mm-hmm. and i watched them and i and it it always it struck me one thing that struck me and i never forgotten is that doctors you know, you watch movies where doctors are operating and they're usually like, ah, give me to this and give me to that. And they're like, well, we're losing the systemic. Blah, blah, blah. When in re- you know what they talk about in real life? Golf. Golf. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing their thing because they've done these surgeries 5000 times. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're like, you know, did you see the, the thing? The mo- I had a great I I hit that by right into the fucking. Oh, can, can you give me the thing? And that's what they talk about. Yeah, it's like a car mechanic. It is at a certain point. Um, all right. I have a question for you from our friends over at the horror script podcast. Mm-hmm. If you were to remake Dr. Giggles today or recast, who would you want in the title role? Um, Jack Black. Oh, <laughs> that's good. That's really good. You know, there was a, there was an April, April fool's joke that came out. Uh, I think it was a few years ago where and it was, it was, it was, it was, a, somebody put it out on the internet, but it was taken serious for a little while. And the, the thing was that Nicolas Cage wanted to remake Dr. Giggles. Oh my God. He wanted to play Dr. Giggles. Okay. Uh, it turned that. out to be, I was like, oh shit, it's, it's not true. Cause I, I thought that was great. <laughs> like the one guy that reminds me of Larry Drake, his name is Timothy Spall. If you've watched the Harry Potter movies, he was um, the Wormtail uh, or. I don't remember. Uh, let me look him up, but I don't remember. Uh, yeah, he kind of has he kind of has a Larry Drake look where he looks like he could be, you know, a nice gentle guy, but he has an intensity. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 he does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, I would but I would I would do I think Jack Black. No, Jack Black would be great. <laughs> he's hysterical. Yeah. Um all right, let's move on. I just have a quick I want to touch on Dexter very briefly. Mm-hmm. Um how do you make a serial killer sympathetic? You make How him you kill bad. You kill. He kills bad people. Yeah, it's it's very simple. You may you put him up against people who are worse than he is. Mm. Uh, and by the way, it's the same trick they you know they used on uh, on uh, Silence of the Lambs, where you're rooting for for Doctor Lecter, yeah. rooting for Lecter because the the guy who's watching over him is a sadistic creep. You know, so, and he you know uh, 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 so so you're literally you end up liking Lecter even though he's doing horrible things, you're kind of rooting for him to escape, even though he kills those two guys. I mean, so it's weird. So it, 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 it Dexter operates in the same kind of principle. He's, you know, you like him because well, he's very childlike and he's innocent and he's trying to navigate this world. And you're in his point of view. When you're in someone's point of view, it's hard not to end up empathizing with them. Mm-hmm. And plus he's killing bad people. If he was killing innocent people, you would, you would like turn this shit off. Right. 
Well, it's also interesting. I mean, just talking about that movie for a minute, it's very much through Clarice's eyes, and she has like a, a fascination mm-hmm. with Lecter, where yeah. she's more repulsed by Bill. I feel like uh, Buffalo Bill is more of a wild animal, where Doctor yes. Lecter is more like calculated. Mm-hmm. Like he's does terrible yeah. things, but there's like some strange twisted logic behind it. Yeah, but I mean, but you noticed. I mean, the guy Lecter is being. Quote, you know, tortured in a way. You know, he, mm-hmm. he he's they're playing Baptist programs when he's when he when he when he. And by the way, the the reason he's being punished for that is because he he talked to to the guy who you know who who threw sperm on Clarice. So he's like in a hero position. You're like, oh, way to go, Lecter. <laughs> and and so so they put him in a position where you you like him. You follow what I'm saying? It's like right. they don't show clips of him killing the innocent people. They show, you know, at least until he escapes later on. But you don't see at the first you see him protecting Clarice, liking Clarice, being being uh, abused by Chilton, mm-hmm. you know, who's a creep. And so you end up liking Lecter. Mm-hmm. Did you like the the uh, Hannibal series, like the new the the show? I watched a little. I I I I, I thought it was good. I, I never got completely okay. into it. Not because I didn't. It wasn't good. I just was. I never got into it. No. Oh. Did All you? Right. Um, yeah, no, I really liked it. I mean, there's a couple pieces that weren't hit as well as others, um, right. but overall, I really liked it. I like the I like the expanded mythos of that universe. Yeah, what I watched of it, I thought was really good. All right, and then I want to pivot to American Horror Story because we're running low on time. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of pivoting, so you worked on American Horror Story, and which was you know a season theme cast and then you kind of pivot to the uh, american horror stories which was like a one-off episodes so what was it like to make that transition or what it went was into that? i mean honestly i was doing both i mean i i, I was uh, I, I was working on both american horror story and i still am by the way we're still doing the same thing i mean it's just like you know ryan ryan murphy uh just really likes my writing and my, and my work so i just he's just putting me on he's just i'm doing both series and so and so it's but it's a blast i i love i i really like that show and i love the anthology of it a lot mm-hmm. uh and uh because again it's back to it's i'm I'm gone full circle i'm back to doing tales from the crypt right uh, you really have a very you know it's not a dissimilar tone the, you know these are little these are tongue-in-cheek episodes a lot of them they're so crazy that they you know that they they remind me a little bit of tales from the crypt you know, in the last one I wrote, I got, you know, I, I got to work with Eduardo Sanchez, who, you know, who, who did Blair Witch. And uh, so uh, it's a blast. And then I got to direct one, which was not a lot of fun. Right. So, um, again, that, that's kind of fun that you get to, like, choose like, every episode. You can have kind of like, OK, this is the zombies. These are aliens. These yeah. are Belial cults. Right. Um and uh, I saw that you had a killer Danny Trejo as a killer Santa, I know. <laughs> which again brings it back full circle to full circle to Larry Drake. Larry Drake. <laughs> Santa, yeah, I know it was crazy. Danny oh, Trejo yeah. was great. So um, my friend uh, Caitlin Grant, who does the Plug It Up podcast, wanted to know which was your which is your favorite of the uh, one offs that you did of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Feral. Feral when i directed <laughs> i just really like that you know it's just a, they, I, a lot of them were a lot were a lot of fun or you know i, I kind of love them all but I, I i love that subject matter I, I i was i'm a you know i love cryptozoology and bigfoot and ufos even though i don't believe any of it exists 
but I still have just, I've been fascinated with it ever since I was a kid. So once certain things get in your bloodstream, you just love them. And I, I was reading about, you know, Bigfoot and, 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 and read these missing 411 books. I don't know if you've heard about those where this guy catalogs missing people in national parks. Oh, that's creepy. And then there was talk of, you should check them out, by the way, they're really great. These books. Um, uh, but it, there's one particular missing case, which was very creepy because the, 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 the FBI guy who was investigating heard was, was a park ranger told him that he believes the kid was taken by feral humans who they, who are in the parks. People yes. don't know this. Of course, I don't, I don't, I don't believe this either, but it was still, I just, when I heard that, I was like, this is fantastic. And so I just, you know, I pitched it to Ryan and he loved it. And, and so we, we did it. So it's a subject that's close to my heart. I just find very creepy and, and fun. Mm. Cool. Um, so what are you working on now? What's, what's coming up? You're doing more American. Horror I'm doing Story. more American horror stories. I've just done my third episode of stories and uh, for this next season. And uh, we're now we're, we're working on the next season of American horror story as well. Um, uh, and right, starting to write those episodes. Have so, they announced what the, uh, the theme is for that one yet? They have not. Okay. And so I can't, <laughs> Ryan will kill me, but no, uh, but uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and the stories episodes are, are really good. Yeah. Creepy. Do you have any, uh, like passion projects that someday you want to, um, fulfill? Um, there is one, I, I mean, I, I want to do, and I don't even know if this is, is the shadow over Innsmouth, which is, uh, uh, my favorite HP Lovecraft story. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a Lovecraft fanatic and, uh, I just think that's one of the great horror stories of all time and uh i want to figure out some way to do that as a film uh that would be if somebody were to walk up tomorrow and say here's 10 million dollars <laughs> that would be what i make because i just find it the creepiest greatest story of all time i have to look that one up um, check it out it's good if you if you if you love if you you know my wife doesn't really love 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 lovecraft but this story she loved okay it's, it's really great did you see uh color out of space Yes, I did. It was, it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah, that was really. I good. saw. I went to. I was actually lucky enough to go to a screening. The uh, the on on the show next. One of the writers was friends of the director, mm -hmm. uh, Richard Stanley, and so we went. Uh, I got invited there and, and got this. It was at the one of the the horror festivals down in L.A., and I got to meet uh, Richard and, and watch the movie, and it was it was great. Yeah, that scene with the kid and the mother fusing back together is oh like, my god, like the inverse <laughs> of your kid popping out of the mother. I know. <laughs> That's just one of those images that just st sticks with you. And Nicolas Cage was great. Did you see Pig? No, I, it's on my list. Fantastic. I've heard really good things. Off the charts, great. Don't miss it. Uh, I'll definitely get that. I think it's on streaming now, so I'll, yeah. I'll hit it up. All right, well, we're going to wind down a little bit with some of our fun miscellaneous questions. Uh, what was your first concert and what was the best concert you've been to? Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, my first, first concert you went to of your own decision. I think it was. I'm trying to think. I think it was Journey. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, and uh, I remember, you know, it was great. You know, I, I got to be honest. I'm not a big fan of concerts. I don't like crowded places. Mm -hmm. I don't like screaming crowded people. Yeah. So I, I, I just don't, you know, so I haven't gone to many in my life. I've, I've gone, I went to see, I went to see Stevie wonder in new Orleans. Okay. Well, that's which good was, one. It was, it was huge. It was in the Astrodome. Oh, wow. 
or the Superdome in New Orleans. And it was packed. And I think me and my brother were the only white people in the entire building. <laughs> I uh, saw um, Stevie Wonder do the concert with Tony Bennett. And, oh, my God. Uh, that Staples <laughs> with Carrie Underwood, too. It was like kind uh-huh. of a combo thing. So that was really cool. That's great. Um, Paul and the, the last one I went to was Paul Simon. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so, it, you know, at, at the Hollywood Bowl. I was going to ask if you've been to Hollywood Bowl because I think because they have those um, box. Yeah, we got a box ones. Yeah. yeah, I think for someone who doesn't love crowds, that would be like a good compromise. No, it was. It was a good compromise. I, I, I enjoyed that. And, 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 you know, we go every year to watch John Williams. Yeah, the, I saw. The, you know, we go. Saw, every, we've been the last five, three or four years. I think he's been. We've been gone. Nice. Yeah, I saw them do Jaws at the Hollywood Bowl uh-huh. um, a couple of years ago, and it, it's just it's it's just amazing. The the scene where Richard Dreyfuss is in the the tank uh, or in the the, uh-huh. the cage, and he's cage. underwater. Twenty thousand people drop dead silence. You could hear a pin drop <laughs> with all those people, and then when the shark comes behind, the whole place just blows up i gotta take my kids to that and so john williams is conductor is there another conductor right? it's another conductor yeah right. they're doing they're doing the john williams score. He, he uh even now he comes out and just does the last 20 30 minutes because he's you know he's he's up there yeah but it's so great to see yeah all right well, um, i'm not a big but what rock concerts do you go to just out of curiosity what concerts do you um go to? i'm a big metallica fan uh-huh um i saw nine inch nails and Soundgarden at the hollywood bowl a couple years <laughs> a couple years ago um, I here I am with Paul Simon. <laughs> nothing wrong with Paul Simon. Nothing, nothing. All good there. I, well, I, I saw Bob Seger with my dad, like back in oh, the great. 90s. I would go see that. Yeah. Um, all right. So in the very first episode of Tales from the Crypt, William Sadler goes into a cafe um, in the episode, The Man Who Is Death, and he orders a cheese sandwich and a black coffee. If you were to order a cheese sandwich, it could be grilled. It could be cold. It could be on a burger. What kind of cheese would you want? Swiss. Swiss. Okay. It's always Swiss. You like baby Swiss, age Swiss? Uh, A baby Swiss. Baby Swiss. A little more creamy. (laughs) Yes. There's nothing better. One of the best foods on the planet is a cheeseburger with Swiss and an omelet, a Swiss cheese omelet. Oh, with mushrooms? Yes, with mushrooms. Yeah. That's that's a good good combo. All right. And then finally, what dad or mentor advice would you like to give our audience? (laughs) <laughs> dad or mentor advice you know i <laughs> can we take a break and i can think about one because I, I i i honestly <laughs> i'm not good at, at giving life advice i mean i i don't I, I haven't thought that much through but all i would say is and uh, you know i would say this and i say this to my son and i say this to i think the most important thing in life is to figure out early on what it is you, you love and figure out a way to make it happen. There's nothing worse than not knowing what it is you enjoy doing and what it is you want to do. Otherwise, you know, pl- there's, pl- there's plenty of people in this world who go about aimlessly and drift from place to place and never really find their, their calling. And I think if there's one thing that's th- that, that, that school and, and life is for us to figure out exactly what it is. And it doesn't have to be, you know, it, it, it like my, my father was always like, find something where you're the boss. My feeling is it's like, find something where you, you can't do, you can't live without it. Whether you're mm-hmm. the boss, whether you make a lot of money, whether you make no money, whether you make a little money, find what it is and make sure that's what you do. That's good. 
See, you got not it. the most profound advice. I mean, you've heard it, but but I do think it's really important. I do think because I knew, you know, what I wanted to do when I was age eleven, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's important. And I know a lot of people who went through college with me, who are going into movies, who, are, who wanted to, and a lot of them never made it. And when you really examine, it wasn't. It was because they just weren't. It wasn't, they weren't doing what they really wanted to do, what they really fell in love with doing. They were just doing it because it was something to do. Mm. And so it's important to figure out what that is. Mm. Very cool. All right. Well, that wraps things up, Manny. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, are you on social media? Is there any uh, accounts you want to uh, plug? Not really. No, I'm not, I'm not. I used to be, I was on Twitter not long ago, but I'm not really on that anymore. I just, you know, it's just, I didn't find it worthwhile. I do go on, you know, and, and check out, you know, usually I, I was using it to buy books, which is, right. you know, and so I was like, I got to stop because I was, I was like on every, in, in DVDs and Blu-rays. And so I was like on every, every, every time I go on Twitter, some guy, some, a new book would be out and I'm like, I, I got to buy that. And now, you know, so I had just, I'm one of these guys who has way too many books that you can never, ever hope to read. So I had, I had to stop the flood. Cool. Well, again, I appreciate you coming on and giving us your time. Uh, I think everyone's going to really enjoy hearing all these stories and uh, hopefully get some more love for Dr. Google's out in the universe. <laughs> I wish someone would do like a, a re-release Arrow or some one of these gun companies because mm-hmm. it's a good, it's a beautiful looking movie. Yeah. If it's really, if it was, if it had a beautiful Blu-ray release, there's some lovely cinematography and work on that movie. It deserves a little bit of love and it just is not. I see a lot of these nineties and eighties horror films getting released and it just breaks my heart that nobody's, that nobody can at least see this in its proper format. Let's go on there. Oh, also I was going to ask that I saw that it was a dark horse production or it's associated with dark horse. It was dark horse. Yes, it was dark. Mike Richardson was in, was involved, which was great. And that's also dark horse used to, at least used to be a a important company. Was I don't know if they still are in Portland. They were in Portland. I would. I went to their offices there. Yeah, it was the. Del- it was delightful. I was a huge comics fan. I still am a huge comics fan. So I was. Uh, you know, and then we. By the way, we did a couple of Doctor Giggles comics with with, mm-hmm. with uh, Mike Richardson, and and uh, I still have here this piece of art. Oh, I can, I can show. Actually, you can't see me, but I'll just show you. There's a piece of artwork by the guy who did the Doctor Giggles comic. Oh, cool. That's me getting disemboweled. All right, I need. It. Yeah, I, you, you just sent me a good picture of that. I'll send you a good photo of that. Um. Yeah, so is that partly why they they filmed in in Oregon? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Because I remember, you know, I I part of it that was part of it because I was actually uh, we we were also going to thinking about doing in South Carolina, Mm -hmm. North Carolina. There was a studio there at at the time that was big, a complex, and so we almost went there, but then we ended up going to Portland for some for reasons I don't remember. Yeah, because I remember around that time I was a big Dark Horse fan. I remember seeing Doctor Google's ads all over the place. So did you read Concrete? Uh, no, it's more like the aliens and predators and oh yeah, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, all right. Well, again, I appreciate you so much for coming on, and we appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, and we would really appreciate it if everyone would give us a rating and review. <coughs> excuse me, on iTunes and a rating on Spotify. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. (laughs) No, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it.